Good morning. I am quite surprised and impressed by all of you who made it here today. I am glad you're here in person, and I'm glad that we have a furnace that works, because I remember last year we had a day where it didn't, and today would be a bad day for that. For all of you on live stream, I'm so glad you can be here as well through live stream. And uh, if you are intentionally at home simply because you're stranded in the ice, I hope next week with 60-degree weather, you can be here in person. We are in the middle of going through the book of Romans. We have come back to this book and we're looking at what does Paul say to the church and what does it mean for us. And I have some really good news for you. For those of you who've been here the last few weeks, Romans starts out as a bit of a Debbie Downer. It's pretty heavy-handed right off the bat because Paul is describing the reality of sin and the nature that we live in sin, that all the world and all of creation is broken. He says in the last chapter we looked at, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so when he gets us started in this letter describing what it is that God has done, what it means for you and me, it starts out with a whole lot of wrath and judgment and it's kind of heavy. But I'm excited to tell you today we get into some really good stuff. All the stuff he's building towards with this reality of God's wrath and how we are saved not by what we do, but by faith alone. How justification, being made right with God, is a free gift, a gift of grace. All of this leads us to where we're at today. We're going to begin in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is on page 1176. If you'd like to follow along in the blue Bibles in the pews in front of you or along the walls upstairs, feel free to grab one and follow along. Romans chapter 5, page 1176. Paul begins with a simple little word, therefore. Anytime you're reading the Bible, if you see a therefore, you should ask yourself the question, what's it there for? And you should back up a little bit. So I'm going to start a, a verse or so before what's going to be on the screen. Here we go in chapter 4, verse 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. That is, when Abraham was counted righteous, it was not written for his sake, but also ours. It will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this writing here of Paul. Because he makes a really profound statement that we can just pass right over in English. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in English we read that and it's a thing that's happened in the past. But in Greek he writes it in such a way that we have been and continue to be. Like a state of existence. This is who we are. Those who have been justified and made right by faith. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul says, look, it's really, really simple. All of this God stuff has nothing to do 
with you. Not that you should have nothing to do with it, but it is not about getting it right or figuring it out or trying harder. We have been given this good gift of grace, and therefore we have peace with God. We live in a world that I think is desperately seeking peace. We live in a world that is filled with anxiety and stress and all kinds of pressures. Paul, he says, look, we have peace with God. Before we go any further, we have to just stop and hear that again. Peace with God. That's not just a peace that says, I don't need to worry about what tomorrow may hold, though Jesus also said that to us. It's not just a peace that feels good in the moment, but is fleeting. No, we have God who at one time we were at odds with who now holds us in unison with him. We have God who has now united us that we're no longer enemies, but at peace. This is really important because hear what comes next. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Over and over and over again, the New Testament is filled with this encouragement. We rejoice in our sufferings. But for most of us, we don't rejoice. We complain at best. Perhaps we dismiss my suffering's not as bad as somebody else's suffering, so I don't need to acknowledge or pay attention to or even lean into why am I suffering or what does this mean for me. Sometimes in our sufferings, we just think I'm the victim the whole world's out to get me. And we want to find somebody to pin the blame on. Maybe it's me and my doings. I did something wrong. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's the system. Maybe it's the man. Rarely do we rejoice in our sufferings. But Paul, as he writes this letter, says we have peace with God and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only this, we also rejoice in our suffering continues, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In 2020, for most of us, the world kind of became a different place. As COVID uh, became a global pandemic and we wrestled with how do we live, how does this change things, what do we do? In that time, as I was searching, not just for answers to what is happening in this world, just in general, wanting to grow and learn and, and study, I came across something I had not previously learned much about. It's this idea of resilience and resiliency. For most of our modern psychology, we as a a culture and a world have focused our understanding of the brain and how we think and our human psyche, we focused it on all the negatives. What breaks a person? What makes them messed up? What causes mental illness? And we've looked at all the bad stuff. But over the last 40 years, there's been a, a shift that really in the last 20 years has begun to explode in the world of psychology. 
What if instead of looking at all the bad, we consider the good and we explore what works for people? Resiliency is this idea, it comes from a Latin word implying like a young sapling that bends but doesn't break. It is able to bounce back from adversity, to come back from challenge. In the last 20 plus years of modern psychology, they've begun to say instead of all the negative, what causes people to bounce back, to endure hardship and suffering, and to come out stronger? And as I discovered this and began to study and read and and learn, I realized this is really incredible, I think, for you and me and the whole church. Because I believe wholeheartedly that modern psychology is finally catching up to what Paul and all the early church knew. Things that have been true for all of time, modern psychology is finally discovering and saying, what does this mean and how do we lean into it? See, initially when they began to look at the good, they began to look at people who went through really hard times and came out stronger. And they said, maybe there's just like a personality trait. If we can isolate specific personality traits, then we can encourage those personalities because they will be the ones who stand strong. And they discovered that there isn't really one personality trait that sets people apart as more likely to bounce back from adversity. They began to say, maybe it's not a personality trait. Maybe they're just certain people. It's like a genetic thing or it's hardwired. It just is who we are and some are this way and some are not. And and after a season of that study, they said that it doesn't appear to be a certain type of person. In fact, similar to trauma and the negative that shapes us, where we can't control it and where it just happens to us sometimes, the initial thought was that resiliency We can't control, it just is or it is not. But as they studied, they realized it's actually the exact opposite. Resiliency, the ability to bounce back from hard times, to come back stronger, actually comes not from within, not from just who we are, but it's a learned thing. And what they've discovered is it's across all cultures around the world, resiliency tends to grow in community that is safe, that is healthy, where the family is more important than the individual. Across cultures, they find there are cultures that actually shape the ability to bounce back more than just the individual or the circumstance. And as I've studied and read, I'm just barely scratching the surface. I I will not even claim to be an amateur. I've, I've read so little. But the little bit I've discovered, I think the world is finally seeing what Scripture said all along. Paul, he says, rejoice in our sufferings, and our sufferings produces endurance, and endurance character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. He's describing this process of fixing our mind on that which is good and healthy. You see, in the study of resiliency, as they realize it's a cultural thing, it's a communal thing, it's not an individual thing, what they began to discover is that you and I as individuals can create the kind of community in which resiliency thrives. We can become the kind of people, even if not yet resilient on our own, that together we bounce back from hard times. It is a learned behavior 
a practice over time that shapes who we are. Paul, he says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, for you and me, we know that in this world we will have trouble. But all of our hope comes in the glory of God. That God is good. That God is who He says He is. That He is faithful all the time. That He will never leave us nor forsake us. All of our hope comes not from our own understanding or our own efforts, but simply from who He is. And when we learn to fix our mind and our hearts and our lives not on ourselves and our troubles, but on the God who's with us through them all, we can rejoice even in our suffering because we know that in our suffering, God is still God. It will still be okay. In our suffering, God has not left us. We can rejoice because that suffering is at work changing the way we think and the way we experience this world. Produces endurance. The ability to persevere anyway. Perseverance and endurance produce character. And character, hope. As I was reading this and thinking about it in the context of what Paul writes, especially what comes next, I was struck by this reality. We rejoice in our sufferings because we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But what is the glory of God? Sometimes we think the glory of God is when everything works out great. We say, oh, God has really blessed me because life is going well. What if the glory of God is not when everything is going great? In fact, it says elsewhere in Scripture that we see the fullness of God's glory revealed in Christ in His moment of suffering, in His death. If we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we are ultimately rejoicing in a God who knows what it's like to suffer, who persevered through all the taunting and all the hardship and all the ridicule and all the pain and all the wrath of God, whose character is on display as He suffers and dies, that we can have hope. And then Paul continues, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. See, Paul, he's centering all of this ability to persevere through hardship in the very reality that while we were enemies, not yet at peace with God while our sin disconnected us that we could not hear what He was saying or follow what He was doing or go where He was going, that we could not be enough while we were in that place. Enemies of God. God came down for us to give everything up 
that we could be called friends of God. That we could be brought near, not just called friends of God, but children of God. Adopted by His Spirit. Brought into a royal family that unlike our families, it's not dysfunctional, but perfect and whole in Christ. While we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Oftentimes, especially here in the South, when we hear the word be saved or the words be saved, we think of a moment in time where everything changes. I was saved at this point or I got saved here, but Scripture doesn't use salvation like that. It's not a conversion moment where we leave behind the old and suddenly are brand new. In fact, the word here for saved or salvation is from sozo, which means salve, like an ointment for healing. If while we were enemies, Christ would give himself for us, would die and suffer and persevere to reveal his character that we might have hope. If while we were far from God, he would do this. How much more so shall we receive the healing of God? Shall we be spared from the wrath and instead receive healing, an ointment for our souls that are weary and broken and heavy laden? How much more so can we come to Him who gives us rest for our weary souls? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have now been made one, unified. To be reconciled is to be made right and brought into right alignment and put back together to be put in place where we belong. You and I, in the suffering of Christ, have been given all hope. We have been made right with God in every way that we are not enemies, but at peace. And you and I can view the world around us, and we can see the hurt, and the negative, and the miserable, and the difficult, and say, woe is me, and shame on you, God. Or we can see all of this world through this new lens, Christ has given everything that we may have peace with God. That we may be reconciled, put back together, made right and whole with God. And I believe that there will come a day when the study of resiliency recognizes that you and I are only wholly able to bounce back from all adversity. When we're bouncing back to be with God, to be with the one who loves us unto death, even when we were enemies, to be with the God who cares about us intimately more than we could ever imagine, to be with the God who created all things and stepped away from it all, that he could humble himself to the point of death for you and for me. And I believe that we, as a community, 
more often than not, don't experience this peace of God and this rejoicing in our sufferings. Because oftentimes our approach to God is that of a distant God. We know intellectually, of course, He's with us, but right now life is really hard. Life is really cold. It's really snowy. Right now things aren't good. And so eventually, yeah, He's with me, but for now, where are you, God? But I believe we can be the community with the culture that says, in all things, Christ be magnified. Let's look to His glory there on the cross that He would give everything. And we can keep coming back to that over and over and over again. So when life is really hard, we have a firm foundation to stand on. When God feels really distant, we know that He's not distant. In fact, He's promised to be with us. And here in a moment, we're going to eat and drink a meal in which He Himself said He will always be present in. Here in a moment, we're going to receive communion and receive what He has promised. In this, I will be with you to the end of the age. This is my body. This is my blood given for you. And what if we became a community that lived in such a way that whatever adversity we may face, whatever challenges we may be going through, whatever anxiety and worry and stress is real and honest within us, we together can come back to, but we know where our hope lies. That God is faithful, that His character is always good, and that He will never leave us. I think there's something this world is longing for. To be connected to God and to know that God loves them, not just intellectually, but experientially every day to know that He cares enough to give His life fully. I believe we can become this people who center everything we do in His death and His resurrection. That the whole world may find the same peace we have been given. Will you pray with me? God, we thank You that in Your sufferings You endured. In Your character we find hope. We thank You that while we were enemies, You died for us. While we were under the wrath of God by our own sin, You rescued us. That we may be saved and brought into a whole, healed life. Would You heal our hearts and our minds that are full of worry and doubt? Would You heal our our eyes, that what we see is your goodness and your glory on display? Lord, would you teach us to bounce back from all adversity, to come back to you in all times of struggle, to come back to your character and your suffering and your faithfulness, to experience with you the peace that you have already given us that we may live each day this abundant life You freely offer. And God, we pray today for those who are sick, especially for Mike who's undergoing surgery today. God, we pray for those who need Your physical healing. 
Guard them and keep them as they await that healing. Release it upon their bodies through medicine, through doctors, through miraculous means. We pray for those who are heavy laden. Would they find in you the rest they so desperately seek? The peace that surpasses all understanding. God, now we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we continue our worship, we are going to collect an offering. In this place, the way we collect an offering is not by passing buckets, but we have it available in the back for you. If you're somebody who prefers to give with cash and check and you call this place your home, or if you're somebody who filled out one of those physical teal cards that says connect at the top with a way we can connect with you or a way we can be praying for you, You can place both your offering or that card in the black boxes in the back wall as you exit. If you're somebody who prefers to do everything online, uh, you can give online at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Our Connect Groups will be starting in two weeks, so if you would like to get to know a community of people who can care for you deeply and help you through all the good and the bad, I strongly encourage signing up. Now, every week we invite questions, so what questions came in today, Emily? There's some good ones. Um, First one says, if I am to rejoice when I suffer, what should our response be when those we love are suffering? I think we can rejoice with them we can help them learn how to rejoice by pointing them back to what is true and what is good and what is beautiful. And I don't think rejoicing in our suffering means putting on a fake smile and saying everything's okay when it's not. I think rejoicing in our suffering is turning back to the peace we have from God, the gift he's given in his son, the the hope that we have in his glory, and we stand firm there. So when others are suffering, Jesus tells us to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn. Uh, We can do that, and we can help point them back to uh, God's goodness and his faithfulness even in this hardship. Maybe make them cake or something, too. That always works. Yeah, it would work for me if I'm ever sad, just so that's out there. Um, We are commanded to honor our father and mother. How does that apply to an abusive parent that does not change? As a child and a teenager living in your parents' home, it's really, really complicated. Um, I will always advocate for a safe space. And so if your home is not safe, there's a lot of great organizations like Child Help and others that seek to be advocates for children and teenagers in unsafe homes. And I will connect you with those things as quickly as you let me know you're in that place. If you're a grown-up and you've moved out and you're no longer living at home, or if you're an adult who is living at home, uh, that's where it becomes a little different. I think that 
Um, As an adult, part of being a healthy and mature adult is setting boundaries of what is and is not okay. And the best way you can honor your parents is by standing firm on what God declares and says and by calling them back to that. And that might mean saying, as long as you persist in these abusive behaviors, I cannot be with you. My children cannot be with you. I have to set a healthy boundary. Um, I think that is part of God's law that points us to we need repentance. And so sometimes setting the law firm and saying this is where we need to stand is essential to even help them see their need for repentance. Um, Ultimately, we cannot convince anyone to change. Only God can do that. And so do what is honoring while also what is honoring God and good for you. That's it. That was good. That was, there was There's a pregnant pause. Sorry. Sorry. These are, these are good ones. Okay. Does the Bible point to the earth being round or flat? Just took a little 180 degree there for you. I say you can text in any question. <laughs> Some would say that because it uses language like the four corners of the earth and the earth is flat, um, I think we have to be careful to apply modern day issues to ancient texts because I don't think uh, anyone in the Bible was particularly concerned with if it was round or flat, because at that time, most of them didn't travel beyond a small region anyway, so they certainly weren't considering the entirety of the world. Um, I would say it's definitely round, and if you're a flat earther, we can have lots of wonderful conversation over the course of a good drink or some great cake or pizza. Uh, Although my favorite response I did hear one time from a flat earther was, of course the earth is round, like a pizza. And that just made me laugh. So, yeah. Um, I did pay this person to text us in, but they said the music team crushed it. Uh, Thank you, Jay, Emily, and Tyler. The Holy Spirit is here today and showing up particularly strong. Holy Spirit's always here, but... What's really fun is you guys don't know that that was entirely improvised this morning when they showed up for rehearsal because half the band was either snowed in or sick and couldn't make it. Y'all almost uh, had to hear me play guitar. Yeah. yeah. No one would have texted in that. <laughs> uh, and so they entirely redid everything this morning to say, how do we make it work? Um, also, we had with coffee and Kids Point and live stream across the board, we had people saying, hey, how do we make this work? so that everybody, whether in person or online, can participate and experience what God is doing. So thank you to all of you volunteers. I really, really appreciate you and your flexibility on these cold days. And if you would like to learn, hey, how do I get plugged in to start volunteering? Uh, My favorite two people every Sunday are those who bring breakfast for the volunteers and those who make coffee. So either of those will make you my favorite person on that given Sunday if you'd like to volunteer, all right? That's all on my end. Those are all the questions. Well, every week you can text them in and I'll do my best to respond as well as possible. Um, But with that, receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, 
simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.